Well, hey, New City, my name is Nate. I get to be the pastor here uh, at New City Church. New City is an imperfect people, being courageous, believing in the power of Jesus to make all things new. Could I, for a second, just underscore we're an imperfect people? Uh, we are all going through a significant amount of pain right now. I mean, everybody is experiencing it. Uh, we're all experiencing that COVID fatigue, uh, the, the kind of weighing down of everyday life. Most of us have started school and many of us have had the experience of just like, man, I'm over this, so over this. And so I want to underscore to you that we are an imperfect people. Nobody has this wrapped up, okay? Uh, nobody's getting an A plus and all things COVID here. We are people desperately in need of Jesus and his redeeming work, his restorative work in our lives. Uh, and so that's what I hope will happen today for us in our study is that we will lean into Jesus in our pain and we'll lean into Jesus in our suffering. That's the theme of our talk today is that uh, we are right now living through a narrative of pain, but there is purpose in our pain. In fact, pain plays a powerful role in our personal development. It, it plays a meaningful role in our personal development. Look at 1 Peter 4.12. This is from our reading today. Beloved, and let me just remind you, you are God's beloved. He does love you. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised when you're tested by fiery trials. This sounds a lot like what James says in James 1.2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, let the pain develop you. Uh, if, if you. If you're a parent, this is going to be really uh, apparent to you. You cannot grow a child into a mature adult without raising their discomfort to the point of causing pain. Like you can't do it. You cannot raise a child to be a high-functioning adult without causing them to experience a certain amount of pain in the child-raising process. You see, pain, even when it seems irrational, has an element of grace attached to it. Tim Keller's helpful here in this, and I'll come back to parenting in a second. He says, if you have a God infinite and powerful enough for you to be, ang for you to be angry at for allowing evil, then you must at the same time have a God infinite enough to have sufficient reasons for allowing that evil. In other words, it, it, just because you can't make sense of the pain you're going through doesn't mean that there's not some rationale behind that pain. Not understanding the purpose of pain does not therefore necessitate that there is no purpose being served in your pain. In other words, with every pain that you're experiencing, no matter how irrational it may seem, there are elements of grace even in that pain. To put it just another way, to bring it back to parenting, the distance between you and a child is a shorter distance than the distance between you and God. So the distance between you and God is a vastly different right, distance than the distance between you and your child. And often when you're inflicting pain on your child to develop them as mature adults, they say, I don't understand. Why are you doing this? This seems so irrational. In fact, there is no way to raise a child into a mature adult without, without them constantly accusing you of being irrationally cruel. You're being so cruel. Why are you taking away my screen time? 
because you've been on the screen all day, but I've been at school all day. And we have, we have inflicted pain in our home related to screen time. We have inflicted pain in our home related to put the trash in the trash can. Come on, you don't wanna be that person. Shut the cabinet door. I'm so tired of saying that. All right, if you're a kid watching right now, I just wanna say this, I just wanna say this. If you're a kid watching right now, be nice to your mom. Say nice words to her, okay? Uh, be nice to your parent, whoever is parenting at you at home. Uh, be nice to that person who's, who's your custodian or guardian. Say nice things to them, this is hard. No one wants to inflict pain on you, but we want you to grow and develop. You see, pain does some things for us. Pain helps us to grow, helps us to mature. Pain reveals things to us that we would not otherwise see, that we would otherwise be blind to. Pain is the ultimate revealer of what our heart really longs for. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. The fiery trial. This idea of fiery trials is not new in 1 Peter's, uh, it, it goes back to verse seven. He talks about your faith being tested by fire. It's, it's more precious than gold that's tested by fire because your faith, when it's tested by fire, it, it endures and endures on forever. It's, it's a faith in the imperishable, he says in earlier verses. He says, faith is, needs some purifying. And that's what pain does, pain purifies us. Uh, pain burns away the impurities of misplaced trust and false hope and leaves behind pure faith. In Proverbs 17.3, we read, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. One of the blessings of pain is that pain reveals what you really trust in. Pain reveals where your source of hope is. And the only way to separate the dross from precious metal is through the fire. The, the only way to, to, to discover what your heart's really about is by testing it through the fiery trial. See, pain purifies us by revealing us to ourselves. I often say at New City that the hardest person in the world to see is yourself. And pain is one of those things that allows us to see ourselves. It reveals us to ourselves. You see, COVID is a fire that reveals what's dross and what's pure. We're all going through it right now. It's revealing the, the, thing, the things that we really hope in, the things that we really trust in. See, the dross is my trust in any created thing over my creator God. The, the, the thing that needs to be burned away in this season, the grace that God can bring to your life during the season is to burn away all the trust you have in things that are not him. That's the grace of the pain that you're experiencing. Uh, look at 1 Peter 4.1. Since therefore Christ suffered in, this, in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time uh, that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, he says in verse 19, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. What's he saying in verses one to three and in verse 19? 
He's saying, hey, listen, this fiery trial, what it's doing is it's testing you. It's working out the impurities. It's getting you to live for God's will and not your own will. It's getting you to focus in on your creator God who knows your purpose, who knows your meaning, who knows what you're about. And, and is he, if you lean into him this time, he will develop you into being who you need to be. See, COVID is revealing whether you are after God or if you're after what God has. And many of us are discovering that there are places in our lives where we weren't really after God, we were after something that God had. We were after the blessings of God, but we weren't after him. See, COVID is is revealing whether God is a means to an end for you, or if God is the end itself. Christianity is always about, fundamentally about relationship. Relationship with the divine, relationship with the creator God, relationship with the one who created you and he knows your purpose and knows your meaning. And if there is grace in the pain that we're experiencing right now, is that grace is causing us to lean into God. I have said before, I think I got it from C.S. Lewis years ago, and if I didn't, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I've said for a number of years, sometimes you don't realize that God is all you need until God is all you have. And what the pain of COVID is doing for a lot of us is purifying us and causing us to lean in to our creator God. I would say a common purpose of pain then is maturing our faith in God. It's growing us up. It's helping us to be be stronger in our faith, to trust in him, to pray more. I had a wonderful experience last Sunday as people came through our drive-through back-to-school experience. And as people came through, we offered to pray for people. And I got to pray for many people on Sunday. And as I prayed for many people on Sunday, people were crying and people were moved emotionally and people were feeling grateful. What was going on was the presence of God was there for sure. But people were being reminded that God is good, that he's in control. And they were experiencing tears of joy and the recognition that, that God's got this. He totally has got this. And when we, we pray together and pray for another, and we put our faith in God, what we begin to realize is we don't have to be in control because we know who is in control. We don't have to have all the answers because we know who does have the answer. We don't have to know all the solutions because we know who the solution really is. In fact, when life hurts, I'll just press in on you for a second. When life hurts, your idols are helpless. They prove themselves to be helpless and really dealing with the pain of your life. You see, Jesus, when he suffered, he suffered to end all suffering. He's the answer, the only answer, the real answer. And there's nothing (laughs) that you are going through right now that Jesus is not already completely victorious over. There's nothing you're going through right now that Jesus isn't already and completely victorious over. I wish I had the amen button, all right? Amen to that. In Jesus, listen, sin has been overcome. In Jesus, sin has been overcome. He died on the cross and he paid the penalty for your sins, meaning like you can, you can, you can relax because your debt's been paid. Your, your sins have been overcome. Listen though, Jesus... He's overcome COVID. COVID has been overcome in Jesus. Totally overcome. Cancer, overcome. 
I mean, all, all sickness overcome. Because when Jesus raised from the grave, he raised bodily. And what he's offered us is new bodies. He's making all things new again. And when he makes things new, they aren't going to be under the curse of sin. And part of the curse of sin is sickness and, and death. And in Jesus, death has been overcome. Death itself has been overcome. You know, we have so much hope in Jesus. So much hope in him. There's nothing you're going through right now that he is not 100% completely victorious over. I would like to encourage you to not run after created things as your solution, but run after your creator God who has offered you the one and only solution you need. You know, the pain that we are all going through has, very, has, has various manifestations. And one of the most profound manifestations of the pain that we're all going through is, is relational pain. The most potent pain, I think, in life is relational pain. Many people are feeling it in their marriages. They're feeling it within their family structures. Oh boy, this election's not going to make you know that Thanksgiving family dinner, if you have it, uh, any more comfortable. I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of conflict happening between people. And that's actually what's in view in the text. That's the kind of pain he's thinking of. Uh, look at uh, verse 12. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. And he goes on in verse 14 and says, hey, here's how the fiery trial is going to manifest itself. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. So the fiery trial in, it involves being insulted. In fact, he said earlier in verse four of chapter four, he says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So what's happened for this Christian community when they were radically changed by God is they began to chase after God and value his values and they loved him, they loved the other, they lived in light of the values of God and that put them at odds with the contemporary culture Then the contemporary culture they're living in looked at them and said, you're weird, you're strange. They insulted these Christians and maligned them and they felt not at home in their very own community. And can I just add to that, belonging is the most basic, obvious and compelling human desire. Like we all have it because it's wired into us. When God created Adam, he said it's not good for Adam to be alone. Belonging is part of who we are. And he said this suffering that you're about to experience is going to lead to death and other things. It certainly is uh, in, in Peter's context. But right now, the beginnings of it, this persecution is insulting and maligning. It's not feeling like you belong in the culture that you're living in. And there's, there's no pain quite like the pain of feeling unwelcome. Like people don't want you around, that you stand out, you stick out. This is why I think Peter chose the motif of exiles to be the motif of his letter. When he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of flesh of which war against your souls. He's putting, he's putting the whole letter in the context of exile. He's saying, yes, yes, you don't belong. You don't. Christians should not be surprised when we don't feel like we fit in. Christians should not be surprised when we don't fit in. Boy, I want to say some things. I'm asking the Holy Spirit if it's the right thing to say. The next slide says we are not settlers, we are sojourners. Can I just say... Um, I'll say it this way. 
There's a lot of pain that many Christians are feeling right now. That is a pain directly related to a misconception of the Christian experience. Christians were never meant to feel at home. We were always meant to see ourselves as sojourners and exiles. And the more at home you feel like you should feel at this particular moment in American history, the more painful the next few months are going to be for you. Because this is not your home. And many Christians are feeling like, I don't fit with the right, and I don't fit with the left. I feel like a person without a party. I've heard that from a number of Christians in recent days. To that I say, amen. You probably were always meant to be a person without a party. Our allegiance is to King Jesus and his kingdom. We are sojourners. We are, not, we, are, we are not settlers. We are sojourners. And I think we have to be careful that we're not manufacturing pain out of a desire to belong to a place we do not belong. We're not creating unnecessary pain because we're trying to belong someplace that we weren't meant to belong. He says it in this, this way in verse 15. But let, let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. Like, in other words, don't let your suffering be unrighteous suffering. There is a righteous suffering, though. Pain that points to Jesus and his restoration, that's righteous pain. Pain that, fo- that focuses on Jesus and his restoration, he's going to bring that's righteous pain. Since therefore Christ suffered in, this, in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Or think like Jesus. Why did Jesus suffer in the flesh? What was he about? What was he doing? He was redeeming and restoring a world lost and broken by sin and making everything new. He was about the renewal of everything. He was about, he was about the kingdom that is not of this world. And if we're to arm ourselves with his thinking, then we're going to be thinking kingdom thoughts and seeking kingdom ways and recognizing that we were never meant to feel at home in this place. See, for the Christian, all pain points to Jesus' purpose. It all points to his ultimate purpose. Listen to the purpose of Jesus found in chapter 2 of verse 21 and following. For to this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. Okay, what's the example? He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. He was completely and absolutely innocent. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. God is the judge. I don't need to be the judge. When you revile me, I don't need to return it. Uh, reviling for reviling. I don't need to come after you. God's the judge. I'm here to witness to Jesus who's overcome sin, overcome death, come to give new life. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. We've been healed. You know where ultimate healing comes from? The wounds of Jesus. He suffered to end all suffering. And when I suffer, all of my suffering, it points to Jesus and how he overcame all of that suffering. See, God's will in our pain has to be seen through the lens of God's will for Jesus and his pain. God's will for Jesus and his pain was the restoration of all things. 
God's will for our pain is to look forward to the restoration of all things. To find our hope in the fact that Jesus has overcome it. All of it. Every bit of it. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Those who suffer according to God's will suffer in a righteous way for righteousness. See, our pain, it points to Jesus' healing. And Jesus does healing through his suffering. Our death, it leads to resurrection. By the way, you should know that, Christian, that, that, that we, we believe that Jesus right, died and he rose. All death leads to resurrection. Our loneliness is met with the, the intensity of Christian community. In fact, I will make an argument with you right now. There is no community on earth that can provide the intensity of belonging that Christian community can. So we don't belong here for sure. Yes, that's true. But there is a belonging within Christian community that's unparalleled in any other community experience you could have. He says in verse eight, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Case in point, Jesus' love for you covered all of your sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling meaning welcome the, str- the stranger into your life without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good, good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, one of the things that makes Christian community re- remarkable is that in Christian community, our acceptance is based on what Jesus has done, not on what we must do. Like We are we brought, we're brought into this, this family of God not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of Christ's performance on our behalf. You see, in every other community, you're accepted on the sole basis of your performance. You stop performing at work, you get fired. You stop performing on social media, and people unfollow you. You look at any other community in life, every other community in life is based upon something you've done, you've achieved to belong to that community, but only in Christianity are you brought in based on someone else's performance. You see, I think a Christian can find joy even in pain, can rejoice in the pain. Because what we're doing in our pain is we're sharing. We're sharing in Christ's pain. We share our pain with Jesus. But rejoice, the scripture says. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. This says something very similar to what Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says. For if we be united with him in his de- a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In other words, if you suffer in this life and you suffer in this life for righteous reasons and you're suffering as righteous, you're sharing in Christ's sufferings. And when you share in Christ's sufferings, guess what? You can have confidence you'll share in his resurrection. You'll share in his victory. You'll share in his glory. Look, the pain of rejection, it points to the joy of my acceptance in Jesus. That's what it does for the Christian. The pain of my rejection, it points to the joy of my acceptance. The pain of failure, what's it do? It points to the joy of Jesus' success for me. 
The pain of my loss points to the joy of his victory. The pain of my sorrow points to the joy of his resurrection. See, our, our pain has purpose because we experience it with the whole story in view. We aren't trapped in a pain narrative with the inability to pick our eyes up and to see the future. We can do that. We can look at Revelation 21.4. We can see that he will wipe away every tear. That death shall be no more. There'll be no more mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things will be passed away. That he is restoring the world. He's making it new. I know that all of my suffering is pointing to his restoration. His victory. So I was writing this sermon this week and I, I wrote in my journal, how do I suffer Christianly while suffering through COVID? I even dropped this in our Slack channel for our staff team and I said, okay, guys, can you pray over this? Can you pray for this question for me? I don't know about you, but I know that the crucible, the fire that is COVID has brought some things out of me that I'm not super proud of. I want to suffer Christianly. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial, verse 12. What is the fiery trial? How do we understand fiery trials? What are fiery trials? I'm going to give you a definition of a fiery trial. Whenever your personal obedience costs you personally, you're in the fire. Whenever your personal obedience in the case of those in 1 Peter, their personal obedience to God cost them relationships. People insulted and maligned them and excluded them from the community they belong to because of their uniqueness as Christians. But whenever your personal obedience costs you personally, you're in the fire. Let me just charge you. We can love, we can love at a personal cost to ourselves because Jesus loved us at a tremendous personal cost. I'm finding my love capacity under COVID has been a little drained. And I need to go back to the cross of Jesus. I need to read 1 Peter 4.1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves the same way of thinking. Earlier, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Arm yourselves with, a, with, with thinking that is Christian. Later, he'll say in verse eight, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I don't know how you're coping with COVID. I know that I often have found <laughs> when the fiery trial comes, and my obedience to, to love, to, to, to love earnestly, to love people who sinned against me, to love those who have hurt me, uh, my, my, when, when I have to confront difficult truths like the, the calling to forgive, the calling to be grace-giving, uh, the calling to be patient, the calling to be humble, like when I feel these very difficult challenges and these callings in my life, that my idolatry of busyness shows up. I, don't, I can't be the only one who does this. I, I have the unique capacity to stay busy until I'm tired. 
until I can't stay busy anymore. I, I can wake up and be immediately busy and be so busy that I will not be able to think about the things I know I need to think about or address the things I know I need to address and I'll just be busy until I crash and fall asleep and wake up and I'll just be busy all over again. Well, I, I, want, I want to. I want to suffer through this Christianly. And so I'm taking this question seriously. How do I suffer Christianly while suffering through COVID? And so for me, it's like, hey, Nate, stop being a bozo and keep on you know, doing like this you know, bad habits of, of busyness idolatry and do the hard thing. And so I wrote down a couple of things I'm going to do. I'm going to choose the pain of forgiveness. I'm going to choose it, the pain of forgiveness. I want this COVID fiery trial I'm going through to mature me in this way. Forgiveness requires paying the price. It requires paying the cost. Forgiveness hurts. I think sometimes we will choose the easy way out and just hold a grudge and separate ourselves from people. That if we listen to the Holy Spirit and we listen to God, he would say, love covers a multitude of sins. Forgive. There may be someone in your life that you just need to forgive. So I want to suffer Christianly, and I'm going to choose the pain of forgiveness. I'm also going to choose the pain of humility. Uh, we uh, live in a world right now where it seems like the loudest voices are the ones that are victorious, or at least the ones that take up all the oxygen in the room. Humility is considering other people better than yourself. It's looking at their interest above your own. Humility is thinking less about you and more about God and more about the other. Humility requires an ear tuned in to listen. You know what's hard when you're experiencing pain, like the pain of COVID, is to feel like your pain is the most important thing in the room and to only talk about that pain. But humility says, hey, there might be others around you who are suffering. Who's a need? Who's a need? See, that's a difficult obedience step to choose the pain of humility. Philippians says he considered quality of God something not to be grasped, but gave his life as a ransom for us. He chose the pain of humility. Here's, a, here's another one choose the pain of grace. Choose the pain of grace. You want this COVID experience to mature you? Give grace. Show mercy. Give grace. It's too easy right now to be judgmental, to be arrogant, to be merciless in our critique of other people, to lack grace, the kind of grace that covers sins, the kind of grace that loves without any expectation of return. There are a lot of people in pain right now who need grace. Choose the pain of grace. Let me just remind you about your pain. In your pain, you're not alone. You can't hear this enough. 1 Peter 4, 1, Christ suffered. Uh, Hebrews reminds us we don't have a high priest who's like so far up in the sky and so far away from us that he doesn't understand 
like the everyday stuff of humanity. Like he gets it, he suffered, he understands. So when you're talking to Jesus, you're talking to one who knows pain, who knows rejection, who knows suffering, who knows hunger, who knows thirst, who knows what you're going through. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings. When you suffer, and your suffering is Christian, it's righteous, it's choosing to be developed in that pain, looking to your creator God, leaning into him, you're choosing a path of discipleship of the pain, it develops you. Can I just say this, Christian, that maybe, maybe the pain you're going through right now isn't about you, but about somebody God wants to love through you. What of the pain you're going through right now is one that God is going to uniquely meet you in so that you could have the capacity to love and to serve somebody he's going to send you to. I've been sending uh, sermons periodically to a mentor of mine and this mentor of mine's older in years. I trust his opinion. He is thoughtful, wise, discerning. And he's been going through a lot of pain lately. And in a recent sermon I sent him to review and to give me some feedback on, he wrote this to me, and I'm just going to read it to you. He said, on the way across Alabama yesterday, I was listening to Steve Carter's Craft the Character interview with Megan Marshman. He's doing a Craft the Character of the Pastor uh, podcast. She pointed out something very obvious that I had never noticed before. Romans 8, 28. Promises things work for the good. But verse 29 tells us that what the good is. To be conformed to the image of his son. That's been a positive aspect of my sharing in the Alzheimer journey with Betty. It's been a crucible that made me a little more like Jesus. May ministry and the COVID plague shape you to be more like Jesus and a better servant for the next 30 years. I sent uh, my mentor an email back and I said, thank you for being obedient to Jesus and the suffering with your wife's Alzheimer because I'm a recipient of the grace that God has given you. Pain is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing that Jesus has overcome. Pain has a grace attached to it. And one of the most beautiful things that grace, that pain can do, one of the most beautiful graces that pain can give you is becoming more and more like Jesus. More grace-giving more humble, more forgiving. How in the world did Jesus ever have the power to say on the cross to those who had brutally beat him and were killing him, where did he find the strength to say, Father, forgive them? 
Don't you see pain leads you to that place of grace? When you suffer Christianly, you can do those kinds of outrageous things that Jesus, like Jesus did. You can forgive what seems unforgivable. You can love in, in ways that cover sins. You can give grace in ways that cost you dearly. This is the encouragement of verse 19. I hung out in verse 19 for quite a bit this week. In fact, I'll read it to you a couple times here in a second so you can meditate on it too. But verse 19 says, entrust your soul to Jesus. Really, the, truly the word is deposit your soul in Jesus' account. Uh, this was before the times of banks, and so when you had a deposit, you would deposit a deposit in a friend's house. If you had to go on a journey, they would look after your, um, you know, your, your savings, and you would hope and trust they would take care of those savings. And he said, trust Jesus like your most trusted friend. Put your deposit in his care. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And trust your soul. Put your faith completely in Jesus. And if you're new to Christianity, you're tuning in from someplace, and you're, you're just kind of figuring this out and you want to put your faith in Jesus, you can do so right now. If you're watching on the live stream, you can just hit that button, raise your hand and say, I want to put my trust in Jesus. But I want to encourage you to do one more thing. Entrusting your soul just means Jesus, you know, you talk to him in prayer and you say, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my soul. But I want to encourage you to give Jesus all of your anxiety too. Don't just give him your soul. Don't just entrust him with your, your salvation, with your everything. And give, him, give him your anxiety. He suffered. He knows what it feels like. He can relate to you. And in 1 Peter 5, 6 the Bible reads, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so the proper time he might exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Talk to him about your anxieties. Lots of ways to talk to him about your anxieties. One way is to join the Zoom prayer room. Another way is on the 22nd. That's this coming week of August. We have a prayer event here at the New City facility in person. And this, is a, this would be a time to say, Jesus, I entrust my soul to you. Jesus, I trust you. Here are my anxieties, my worries. Here's the prayers for victory I'm praying. Listen, friend, I, I do believe that God empowers you. Through prayer and through faithfulness, he empowers you. The power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, he empowers you to give grace to others in their suffering when you, when, when you receive his grace in your suffering. To the, to the measure you lean into Christ, right, and, and, and in your suffering, like he's going to give you grace in that measure, and what happens is you have this grace then to give away, and so he says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Jesus laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for you. He suffered for you. For whom is Jesus calling you to sacrifice? 
All right, I just feel like I need to say this. Who is Jesus calling you to choose the pain of forgiveness for? For whom is Jesus calling you to choose humility for and to consider them better than yourself? For whom is Jesus calling you to show grace to in a way that inflicts pain in your life? Costly grace because Jesus gave you costly grace. You're a priest. That's been the theme of this series, House Church. You're a priest. You're a priest. Your home, that's your place of ministry, your neighborhood, that's your parish. You're a priest. Church, listen, offer a sacrifice of love for the glory of God. You may not always be able to make sense of the pain you're going through. I believe if you look close enough, you'll see the thread of grace. If you, if you look close enough, you'll see the grace that God has given you even in that pain. We have a live Q&A on Instagram and on Facebook following the, the message, and so I'd love for you to join that. I, I uh, asked a few people last week, you know, what'd you think? How, how'd it go? And one person said, man, it's my favorite part of Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad it's useful and helpful. I've enjoyed it. Uh, jump on Facebook or Instagram. Type in your questions. I'd love to be able to interact with you about this message today. We end our services with three movements, generosity, prayer, and communion. Please be generous to New City and the mission God's called us to. Uh, join us in prayer, either in the Zoom room, but certainly, absolutely, on August 22nd, in person for a prayer event. And practice communion at home uh, with your house church gathering or with your family. Practice communion. Celebrate the body of Jesus broken for you, the blood of Jesus shed for you. As true to our form, we're going to end with a prayer that we'll read together as a church. Loving God, thank you for taking our anxieties. We know you care for us. Help us to love others with that kind of love. Show us the purpose in our pain. Help us to offer your healing to those who are anxious and hurting. Amen. God bless. Mm -hmm.